0: You're listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. So we are going to wrap up this uh, short series that we've been doing over the last several weeks. Uh, It's been an invitation to reimagine evangelism, uh, to reimagine it. Because I think a lot of times, as we talked about the very first week, there's a lot of very negative, maybe fear-filled association with the idea of evangelism and and sharing our faith, but I want us to think about how we view evangelism, but also how we do uh, evangelism, this idea of sharing the good news and the good life that Jesus came to bring, the abundant life, uh, the life to the full, whether it is just in our interactions at work, whether it's in our interactions as we're out shopping or at school, uh, in our neighborhood, wherever life takes us, Wherever we go, we can know this, that God is at work all around us. He's already at work. You know, this summer we did a, a series on, 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 on work and bringing God's kingdom uh, into our workplace. And it all comes from the fact that the God who created us, uh, he is a God who works and he is at work all around us. And he invites us to join him in the work of, of sharing his goodness, sharing his love, sharing his life. And for some of us in some opportunities, that might mean just stopping what we had planned to do, to listen to someone that maybe we weren't anticipating having a conversation with, uh, maybe someone who is sort of interrupting us and uh, in what we had had planned. It's about sitting and stopping and, and, and thinking and listening. It's maybe about a sharing an encouraging word, or helping someone in need that we see, and it's very obvious. That they need our help and we have the means to help and we step in. It's about showing kindness in incredible ways and simple ways and everything in between, maybe even taking the opportunity to pray for someone when we see the need and when we see the opportunity. Another way to look at evangelism is to see it as an adventure with God, where our everyday activities can be opportunities to share our faith. Again, evangelism is God's idea. Evangelism is something that he invites us into. Uh, God is the only one who saves. He is the only one who saves. I can't save. Mark Epps can't save. Uh, Paige Mays can't save, but God can save. But he invites all of us into his work that he is doing, uh, and he, this is his plan. Whether it's interaction um, when we're picking up our, our, our coffee at Starbucks in the drive-through in the morning, or whether it's the chit-chat that we have with the bus driver as we're getting our kids onto the school bus in the morning, or, or maybe it's you know the exchange we have with a coworker in the break room, or the, uh, the smack talk with the person we're working ne- out next to at the gym. Now, I work out next to Mary Margaret uh, in classes. She can smack talk, all right? She's not here to defend herself this morning. She's down in the kids' building, but yeah, she, she can hold her own. Uh, but this morning, wherever your world takes you, tomorrow, the rest of this week, wherever we find ourselves, I want you to know God is at work, and God is inviting you and me to take a simple step to join Him in what He's doing. It's, it's simple stuff. Sometimes we get so overwhelmed with, okay, I've got, I've got to share my faith. I've got to share these, these, uh, these doctrinal points, and I've got to, to do all these things. And Roger uh, reminded us last week that it's about just telling our God story, being a witness, and sharing that testimony of the ways God has shown up in our lives. The way he has made his love and his life real to us is just just about taking that adventure with God and and, 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 and taking those uh, those simple steps of, of partnering with him and his good work every day, because God's at work every day. He's showing up, he's doing stuff. And so we're talking about not preaching at people, We're talking about building relationships. If you think of evangelism and it is not a relational thing for you, you've got the wrong idea. And I want you to think of everything that we seek to do as individuals or as a church. Think of it relationally because that's what it's all about. It is all about relationship. And so as we take this step, we need to understand that it's about taking baby steps, small steps that position us every day in our lives, to, to, to daily partner with God and the good work that God's already at work doing. Uh, it, it's, it's big stuff. It's little stuff. It's, it's intentional. Uh, it's about developing authentic, meaningful relationships um, that, that are not... We don't have relationships for the, for the uh, ulterior motive of sharing Christ with someone. But there is an ultimate motive that we should have in everything in our lives, that we would be, as we sang this morning, lifting Christ high in our lives so that all people would be drawn to him. And, and there will be those occasions in those relationships where we just as a part of saying, hey, I want you to know more about who I am and the things that has, have formed me the things that have affected me, that that I have opportunity to share my God stories, how God has shown up. So it's about taking steps every day that position us to to live in a way that partners with what God is doing in our lives so that we can share uh, our life and his life with those around us. I'm going to look at a parable this morning that's very familiar probably to all of you. And and if you will, try to see it maybe through a new lens, if that's possible. Uh, I tried to do that this week, and and there's some things I want to share with you, but it's the the parable of the the Good Samaritan. Uh, Luke chapter 10. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there, or we'll have the the passages on the screen. Uh, Let me read this for you. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus, and he said, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, What is written in the law, and how do you read it? Jesus answer, the man answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus replied, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And in reply, Jesus said, He went to him, he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. He said, look after him, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you have. Jesus then asked, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the expert in the law replied, the one Who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, Go and do likewise. In in the Great Commandment, we are called to love God and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And here Jesus has this religious guy, this expert in the law, uh, wanting him to clarify just who is my neighbor, as if, okay, I don't want to love any more people than I have to. Uh, And sometimes I have those days, don't you? I mean, it's just like, okay, God, can you clarify this for me? But that's what he's doing here. And Jesus tells the story about four different guys who got robbed, one who got robbed. He got beat up. He got left for dead. And then there were three others who encountered this guy that was left for dead in the ditch. So something that all four of these guys have in common, they were all on spiritual journey, just like every one of us is on a spiritual journey. Just like every person that you see today in your neighborhood, where you shop, where you work, where you work out, where you play, every one of us is on a spiritual journey. We are all living our lives looking for meaning, looking for purpose, looking for a level of fulfillment. We may not be able to articulate our search as such, but we're all on a search for these things, and it's a spiritual journey. There are all kinds of interactions that God presents uh, to us each and every day. In this instance, it's, uh, it's a man, likely a Jewish man, who is a, a crime victim. We have two religious, uh, Jewish religious leaders on their way to their religious services. And then there is the Samaritan man. And if you remember, Samaritans and Jews hated each other. There was deep, deep animosity, deep division. Uh, The Jews looked at Samaritans like they would look at uh, like a stray dog. They hated Samaritans and and the feeling was mutual. And so it it fueled their resentment. And this was a resentment that had gone on for for generations and generations, uh, a long, long uh, enmity based on racism and and all kinds of, of hate that came from that. Um, on the journey that all of us are on, including these four guys, all of us face difficulties and troubles. None of us are immune from this. And it's important as we live our lives, as we think of, okay, God, um, you've called me to do the work of an evangelist. You've called me to share the good news of Christ. But God, I'm going through a really tough time right now. I'm going through some stuff that should give me a pass right now. And, and, and I got to say that, you know, from the standpoint of the man in the ditch, that was obvious. He was having a rough day. The Samaritan, he's got his own set of difficulties with being someone who is looked down upon, uh, someone who's despised because of his ethnicity. You know, and I'm sure the two Jewish guys have their own issues that they're struggling with as well. Uh, we don't know what they are, but they probably spent lots of time maybe masking them and, and, and hiding them. Sometimes on our journey, particularly when our journey is difficult, when we're going through health issues, when we're going through maybe a family crisis or a financial crisis, it is easy for us to put ourselves sort of out of commission when it comes to doing the ministry of Christ, particularly sharing the good news of Christ. But I got to tell you this, uh, difficulties can often create a new set of people for you to share Christ with and for me to share Christ with. And so when you go through those times, just remember God's still at work and he has still, he's still calling us to, to join him in his good work. God has blessed me and my family. We, we, are, we are very blessed by God and very thankful for that, but that doesn't mean that we haven't gone through difficult seasons in our lives Uh, Whether it's been through uh, with infertility, uh, with a a major issue with my eye about eight years ago, uh, or even more recently about with cancer in our family. You know, we've been through some some very, very difficult times. And I got to tell you, those times were difficult and rough and painful, but God was at work in them. And there were conversations that I got to have and Mary Margaret got to have, interactions that we were able to, to have to just say, you know what? Yeah, this is hard. It's not about sugarcoating it, okay? I'm not telling you, oh, we're fine. Nothing's wrong. That is not honoring to God, okay? That's not honoring to God to act like the pain isn't real. But, what well, we can say that when we do go through those difficult times, God has been very present, that very present help in our time of need. And these are some of the ways that he's shown up. I remember um, when I was uh, having to go through uh, a corneal transplant, I was going to Emory uh, every week. I had been doing this for like two months, and I was about to lose my eye. And they told me at Emory, man, we've got to do surgery on you. And uh, we got to replace your cornea. Or you're going to lose your eye. But it just so happened that um, right around that time, my surgeon that I was working with at Emory was about to go on maternity leave. And she couldn't do the surgery. But uh, at the same time, there had not been an eye surgeon in this, with this specialty at the medical college. But just a few weeks before this, a eye surgeon, a corneal specialist, had just moved to Augusta from Wake Forest. And this was one of her specialties. And, and so I remember the very first meeting I had with this surgeon here in Augusta, because we're talking, we're gonna meet with her. My surgeon in, at Emory is calling the surgeon at MCG. They're talking about my case. Uh, the surgeon from Emory says, she, you are in good hands. You need to have a surgery in Augusta. It just makes more sense. And uh, she's in good, you're in good hands with her. And I remember going that Friday afternoon and talking to this surgeon I had never met before. And she's like, I don't want you to feel like I'm rushing you. And I just said, no, you got to understand. From, from day one, I've put this whole situation in God's hands and he has directed this, and the fact that you are here when you are here shows me that that he is at work, and I believe in a God who heals, and I believe in a God who heals in any way that he wants to, whether it is through just a miraculous touch, whether it is through medicine, whether it is through surgery, and I just want you to know that I am not concerned that you are a gift from God to me in this moment, and that, that... Initial conversation opened up so many other faith-related conversations that I am still able to have with this surgeon that I continue to see. And so there, there's so many situations where that are tough, that are difficult, that are even dire. But God is still who wants to use us. And there are people who need to hear how God is showing up in our lives in difficult times So I just encourage you in that. Difficult situations and seasons are not reasons to withdraw from the Great Commission, but rather they are opportunities to actually lean into it and maybe give a little more emphasis and a little extra attention to what God might be doing and how he might want to use you in that moment. Whenever I read about the Good Samaritan, especially as a pastor, I need to remind myself to never confuse church or religious activities with the authentic ministry of Jesus. Now, I love, uh, I love the church. I love my involvement in the church, even before I was a pastor. I love your involvement in the church, so please don't hear me wrong. But I got to say this, when our involvement in religious activities, religious duties, church stuff gets in the way of us being available uh, to be interrupted By the Holy Spirit with opportunities to see God's kingdom come, we got a problem. We we got a problem. We need to rethink that. We need to reorient our our lives and our schedules. And ask ourselves, Lord, you know, is my life interruptible for you? Holy Spirit, am am I willing to give you the time and the space, the attention to, to actually interrupt? My well-laid-out schedule, my good plans that I've prayed over, and ask you to direct and guide, uh, Lord, make me interruptible for your kingdom. Make me interruptible for the sake of your glory. Help me to uh, to see as I go to do whether it's like the you know the, the priest or the Levite—they're going to do their religious duty and they couldn't be bothered with this guy who's left for dead in the ditch. God, let us never ever put ourselves in that situation, make my life interruptible for your glory and for your honors. Uh, The Samaritan, in contrast to the two religious guys, uh, he adjusted his travel plans. It says in verse 34 that he went to the man in the ditch and he bandaged his wounds pouring on oil and wine. And this is a reminder that loving our neighbor the way that Jesus calls us to love our neighbor, it requires proximity. It requires getting close. Jesus, one of the names of God, is Emmanuel, God with us. And everything that Jesus did when he came to earth, he did as a human being. He laid aside, he willingly laid aside his deity. He took on flesh. He took on humanity. And he came and he did all of this as a human being, empowered by the same Holy Spirit He wants to empower us and will empower us, but he he did that. But he came to make known who is God. Everything that Jesus did, he came to show who the Father is. And so uh, Jesus is now not here on earth. Remember, he he left after his resurrection, uh, and he told his disciples, "Uh, you will receive power to be my witnesses. You're gonna receive power to be my witnesses, and, and you will be just that, my witnesses. Uh, We are uh, witnesses to go into local neighborhoods, witnesses to go into our community, greater region, uh, witnesses to go to maybe all kinds of diverse people groups, witnesses to go internationally. And we do that with our our outreaches to, to Haiti and our outreaches to India and other parts of the world, but it requires proximity. And today when people are not able to see God physically in person like the disciples were able to. And and during Jesus' time, people were able to see God the Son in Jesus. Guess what? Our loving and kind presence is there to point them to Jesus. Point them to God the Father, God the Son. As we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, that is why it's so important for us to be hands-on and relational as we do these things that God has called us to do uh, for the sake of his glory and the sake of his name. It, it's stuff like sitting with friends who, whose spouse maybe is in surgery and they just need someone just to be there with them. Not to, to talk to them, but just a sense of ministry of presence. It's about the thoughtfulness of just recognizing that the single mom across the street from you is going through a very, very difficult time. And, uh, and you just make the decision a couple times a week to double the recipe that you're cooking for your own family. And as you're making that food, that you spend that extra time just praying and interceding for, for her and for her family. It's, it's, it, this is not like rocket science. Uh, this, is, this is simple, thoughtful, kind things. Uh, the kindness of God leads us to repentance, and, and the kindness of God is something that he wants in us. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit, kindness, is one of those expressions And and we are to be uh, taking those little steps. This is not huge stuff. This is really simple. Uh, These simple steps that uh, can make a really big impact if we let them. I got to say this because I think it's really important to full disclosure that loving our neighbor the way Jesus wants us to love our neighbor, it will require uh, time and energy and resources, and it may even uh, require some lifestyle changes. It might mean, you know what, I I, uh, like to do my lawn. I like to get all hot and sweaty, do my lawn, and then quickly go inside, take a shower, and take a nap. But right as you're finishing up blowing off your your sidewalk and your driveway, your neighbor comes over, and he begins small talk, which turns into something more substantial, something more meaningful. And all of a sudden, you're prompted to go deeper with him, when you really want that nap, and it's like God, I must really smell bad. But you know, if He, uh, if He still wants to sit here and talk to me, that we make the time to do that, and we we give that time and attention to what God might be doing in that, mom- in that moment. Uh, maybe it is about choosing when you or have had a rough day at the office. That it's so easy for us to drive home, uh, open our garage door drive into our garage and close the door so we have no possible contact with anybody outside of our immediate family. Uh, maybe it's the decision, no, I'm not going to do that because I see a couple of neighbors out and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get out. I'm going to go get my paper, my mail, and maybe engage in conversation. It's, it's those kinds of intentional things. You know, this is really crazy, but I got this picture of what if we, you know, it might, it might make your homeowner's association people really upset, but what if you moved all of your patio and deck furniture to your front yard? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just about what am I doing to make my life uh, more interruptible and more inviting? Um, we, lived in, we moved into our neighborhood over 15 years ago. We live in a cul-de-sac with about eight houses, and um, I think I've told you guys this before. Everybody in our cul-de-sac, as I would introduce myself to them, they already knew I was a pastor. It was like, is there some like registry or something that comes up, a warning that <laughs> pops up? And they all knew I was a pastor, very quick to tell me where they went to church and uh, so that I wouldn't invite them to mine. And uh, so it was it was interesting, but, uh, you know, through the years have developed some wonderful relationships with some folks. And I remember the first spring that we were there, uh, I remember renting an aerator. And it was over a holiday weekend. I think it was like Memorial Day weekend because uh, they delivered it to my house on Thursday afternoon, told me to keep it through the next Tuesday because they didn't have anyone to come pick it up. and it was a holiday weekend. So, I thought, all right, great. So I used it that Friday, my day off, my day to do lawn work. And then uh, it was just there. So I thought, you know what, it's crazy that this thing would just sit here all weekend. So I went around to the cul-de-sac and said, hey, can any of you use this? You're you're welcome to use it, free of charge. Uh, I've already paid for it. They're not picking it up until Tuesday morning. If you can use it, you're welcome to it. And I actually had a couple of guys take me up on that. And one in particular, it provided, that that interaction provided uh, just a a good chance for us to, to deepen the relationship. Because, um, you know, he insisted on paying me. I wouldn't let him. And so the next weekend, he brought over some pulled pork that he had done on his green egg, which was delicious and is still my favorite pork uh, pulled pork anywhere, uh, over and above any restaurant in Augusta. Uh, and so we connected over that and just over a lot of different things. He's probably the person I talked to the most in our cul-de-sac. And through the years, it's just been cool to see how there have been opportunities for those deeper conversations. There've been opportunities even for prayers. He's been going through some things. And, and also for us to share some of the challenges in our lives. And they've served us really well. When, when, you know, uh, when I was going through my eye junk and Mary and Margaret had breast cancer, uh, just served us really well. And, and, and it's, just, it's, it's important to recognize there, it all started from me letting somebody borrow an aerator that I'd already used and wasn't gonna use anyway. It's little stuff. This is not rocket science. Um, Several summers ago, we did a wonderful message series uh, based on a great book. The message series is probably okay. But anyway, uh, it's called The Art of Neighboring. If you remember that several years ago, uh, it's written by a Vineyard pastor uh, out of Denver, uh, Jay Pathick, who is now our uh, national director-elect. Uh, um, uh, He's going to be installed as a, the Vineyard USA's new national director. But this is a, a wonderful book that I would highly recommend on some just real practical things on, on literally loving your neighbors into the kingdom of God. Uh, not in a, in a mode of, 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 of preaching and, and, and apologetics, but just simply living your life invitationally. Uh, living your life in a way that is allowed to be interrupted. I, I shared something on my personal Facebook page this week. It was a wonderful article by Putty Putman, who we uh, were welcome to had, uh got to host this past spring for a wonderful weekend. Putty's a, a great teacher, great thinker, and he had an article on postmodernism and evangelism. And in that article, he talked about the fact that you know uh, we live, you know, in, in this the era that we live in. Don't lose heart. It is not as if Christianity has never faced this kind of season before. And we see um, he likened this season of living counterculturally. He likened it to some Old Testament uh, situations where the children of Israel were living in exile, particularly pointing to Joseph. Uh, as he found himself in slavery in Egypt and then before uh, Pharaoh and in his, his court, and, and Daniel uh, when he was living in Babylon in exile. And he said, for both Joseph and for both Daniel, the emphasis was not on teaching or expressing a truth to the various audiences they had, whether it was Pharaoh or whether it was the king of Babylon, but it was more about modeling A lifestyle. Modeling the way. Modeling the way. Jesus is the truth. He is the truth. And there are those opportunities when we get to express that. But the thing that got the attention of Pharaoh and the thing that got the attention of the king of Babylon was the way that that Daniel lived his life, the way that Joseph lived his life. And I would say that if as we as the body of Christ, if we would give more attention to living in alignment with the word of God and, and the life that God has for us, that it will get the attention. It does get the attention of the world around us as we choose to do that, not in some sort of self-righteous way, but in a way that says, you know what, I've chosen to give the lordship and the leadership of my life to God. And as a result of that, I, I, I choose to live these ways. So let me, let me just wrap up with this. I, I share with you on the very first week, I encouraged you to, to write down the names of three folks that you know in your life, in your circle of, of influence or, or relationships or where you do your life, that you know don't yet know Jesus. To just simply write them down. You got a card this morning. And, and I want to encourage you to do that. Um, and, and it's important I want you to write them down and I want you to pray for them. And I want us to commit to that because this is something I know, it is God's will that none would perish, that none would not have relationship with him. He has created every single one of us to have a personal relationship with him through Jesus Christ. I know that, no doubt about that. And so we can pray for these folks that God would, would that they would be saved, that they would come into relationship, that maybe we would have an opportunity Uh, to influence that. And I added a passage of Scripture that was in in my my reading this week, uh, that Jesus' words that reminds us about evangelism and this thing of of us being involved with evangelism. Jesus says, uh, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. So let's pray for them. Let's write their names down. Let's let's first of all, get to know them. Uh, Maybe our neighbors, do you know your neighbors? Do you know your neighbors' names? Uh, Begin with that. Maybe your neighbors will be some of the folks on your list. If you don't know your neighbors, uh, know your neighbor's name, get to know their name, learn some of their story. Begin to pray for them as you walk your dog and you see them out in the neighborhood or as you're mowing your grass and they drive by. Begin to pray for them. Begin to, to just uh, look also for opportunities to connect with them and serve with them. Whether it's sharing a tool, whether it's coming over at 11.30 and putting out a LP gas fire that somehow the lady, her, her grill blew up. Why she was grilling at 11.30, I don't know. But anyway fun neighbors, fun neighborhood, right? Yeah. Maybe it's about inviting them over for dinner. Uh, we've all been clo- cloistered and held up and hold up and in our homes and isolated. And, uh, and maybe even people are a little bit anxious about that. And I, I get that. But maybe it's looking for those opportunities to just say, God, what, what do you have for us? What do you want to do? Um, And and just, these are simple, simple steps. That's the thing I I want us to see because I think the biggest thing the enemy would like to hold over us in so many areas of our lives uh, is fear, fear that paralyzes, fear that keeps us from from sharing what God's done because we're afraid we're going to offend someone rather than just saying, you know what? This is really good news. This is about me sharing what God's done in my life, not in a, a preachy, condescending way, but just this is something wonderful that's happened in my life, and I want to share it because I want this person to know who I am and what informs my life and what informs my decision. And these things like, like learning our neighbors' names and writing down some names of people we know who don't know Christ and praying for them, these are very simple, doable things. Simple and doable. So I, 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 just, I encourage you in that, and I challenge you in that. God, says this is the work that God has given us to do. This is the adventure that he calls us in on. This is the opportunity that we have to give the very best gift that anyone could ever receive, eternal life in Jesus Christ. And I wonder, do we really believe that? We need to believe that and know that. I wanna invite you to